Welcome, America, to the inaugural episode number one. No pilots here, baby. Just right into episode <laughs> one of Wrestling Wiki with uh, your delicious boys. Uh, who, 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 who are you? Who are we with? What's the, what's what's the crew? A couple of juicy, couple of juicy wrestling fans. Uh, <laughs> This is Chris's idea. My name is William Payne. I am a recent convert to wrestling, uh, three or four years into just the spiral, as it were. Uh, my name is Chris Banna. I am a wrestling late to life wrestling convert as well. Uh, this is like AA for wrestling. Uh, I've been watching wrestling since I was 27, so seven years. <laughs> Hi, Chris. Hi, Will. And uh, yeah, we uh, I've had this idea for a while and I thought it could be applied to lots of things, um, honestly. But uh, when I've been on the road with my band, a lot of times me and my bandmate Warner will talk. I'll just like read him like a Wikipedia about a random wrestler. And there's just so much s- silly and stupid info out there. And I've always wanted to start a podcast called Wrestling Wiki, where we just go through kind of the Wikipedia of wrestlers, but mostly about their gimmicks and about really like off the wall gimmicks and like lesser known wrestlers and just go through their tale because it's ridiculous. Um, and I was like, man, who would be the perfect, the perfect, <laughs> you know, pepperoni to this pizza. <laughs> and they're- it just so happens, Chris, Chris and I talked about this. Chris helped me get into wrestling and, one of the things that we both agreed on, and you know, obviously we both have our own story, but gimmicks are really kind of our, the, our own the... story. This sounds like like a testimony to church. <laughs> how, did you, how did you? How did you first come to find wrestling? Well, there I was, and wrestling it, found me. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, a, a, a podcast, or rather, even just a conversation, just about wrestling, you know, is not only played out, but it's also, you know, it's, it's what you do when you read the wrestling rags every day. It's what you do when you kind of pontificate about booking decisions. But the, there's something about gimmicks that were the worm on the hook for me, at least. Um, and we both agreed. And that's, that's where our conversations just continue to go <laughs> whenever we talk about wrestling. So this is a perfect fit uh, for me, at least. Yeah. And so, and there's different, varying levels to gimmicks like stone cold was a gimmick but it was like a great gimmick and hopefully over time we'll go through some of that but like uh our most of our focus is going to be on like outlandish gimmicks and things that were just you know so over the top things that would have been at home in wwf in like 92 like they just would have been like oh well this is just a regular dude on tv this week of course like mantar you know or something like that (laughs) When we talked about kind of what we wanted, who we wanted to discuss, for me, it was like, what gimmick just wouldn't hold up without context? Like Stone Cold, like was a gimmick. He played a character. It was very specific, but like he held up outside of like, if you just walked in out of the, out of the cold, you didn't know who Stone Cold was. You'd be like, okay, I get it. Like he's, he's got beer. He's cool. He's rude. He's crude. He's the anti-hero, the rattlesnake. It doesn't. T- it takes you five minutes to figure out what he's up to. But like some of the people we're going to discuss, they just exist in their own kind of vacuum, and then the booking is forced to kind of work around them, which I think is the most fascinating part uh, of of these kind of weird outsider gimmicks. I agree. Um. So 
with the show, we're going to introduce you real quick to like our kind of what got us um, into like really got us over the edge on wrestling. And then we're going <laughs> to get into it. And Will's going to start with our jobber of the week. And then we're going to start with today's subject shark boy so get ready get ready to be enlightened by by the knowledge that is a shark boy and i feel like he'll probably be our first wrestler and in, inducted into the gimmick hall of fame he feels like a good a good guy to start with um so will why don't you tell us about like what kind of pushed you over the edge to get into wrestling what what event took place in your wrestling testimony yeah, and I feel like I jumped the gun a little bit here but earlier, but yeah, what what you know, I, I had friends who were into wrestling, you and, and others, and um, people kept on trying to get me to go to shows or come over and watch a pay per view, and I just I understood it in concept, but I couldn't really get over the uh, over the hump because I like you, Chris, and like many others our age, kind of came of age in this era that was a response to a previous era, and I didn't understand kind of the dynamics of them, and I was sick and tired of kind of the wrestlers of my youth that were just these big mountain mountains of flesh with wet hair <laughs> flesh mountain. and it just wasn't <laughs> wet flesh mountains. So like it just, it, and, and again, nothing against wet flesh mountains. I no, feel like I'm that, pro. That, I'm pro pro, but like, I didn't, I didn't get it. Like it was without context. And so, um, my buddy grabbed me by the collar and said, listen, I'll pay for your ticket. We're going to get decent seats to a ring of honor, uh, TV taping. Uh, and this was in in downtown Nashville at the um, at the like, Civic Amphitheater, uh, uh, the Municipal Auditorium. And so I show up with my then girlfriend, now wife, and my buddy, mm. and we sit. Nothing says love like your girl. <laughs> this Let's is go watch wrestling. This is gonna this is gonna settle the score right here. Well, and the best part was I didn't know what a TV taping was because I didn't know what wrestling was all about. I thought it would just be kind of like a house show, right? Like you, you know, there's like there's some like setup, and you can hear the announcers, you can kind of understand the story. None of that. It was <laughs> a four hour, like there was no, you couldn't hear the announcers because the announcers were getting piped directly into the truck for like mixing and sending off. There was there's all you were told to do was like stay away from the hard cam, and like they would tell you to pop every once in a while, and so it was it turned to this like it was like watching the Lord of the Rings extended edition with somebody who didn't like fantasy epics so my girlfriend <laughs> my girlfriend fell asleep and my buddy <laughs> my buddy and i were just getting kind of drunk and bored and like and nothing against the product it just wasn't it was like one of those shows that just wasn't the best one to start your wrestling career on and then it happened and then <laughs> and then like a blinding light <laughs> like a flash of light there was on the on their video kind of screen with their entrance uh, uh, there was a pyro, I don't think, because it was a pretty low budget kind of deal. But there was a light, you know, light sting, and then there was like a video screen, and on the screen it said cheeseburger. <laughs> and I, my, just I looked at my buddy. I was like, "What is even going on? Who is this? Like, what? I could it, my brain short circuited." And then out came this man wearing a cheeseburger hat, uh, the hat that looked like an actual cheeseburger. And of course, people listening to this probably know exactly what I'm talking about. For anyone who's uninitiated, Cheeseburger is 125 pounds, maybe. Uh, his ring gear at that time was this kind of shiny uh, green vest with a cheeseburger. Little, little cheeseburger logo. <laughs> He's got a couple cheeseburgers kind of all over. So I watched this impossibly small man who is smaller than anybody who's been in this four-hour TV. And he's he's smaller... 
he's smaller than almost any adult human being I've ever seen in my entire life. So like, I was like, what's he doing here? He surely he what is, is this man of meager stature doing here. <laughs> and like, is he about to become out. a cheeseburger? Like, yeah, like maybe he's the valet to the real cheeseburger. Maybe he's going to introduce <laughs> cheeseburger in like a I'm very cheeseburger's manager. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and so but then he gets then he gets to the ring and he does a big thing and the crowd's going absolutely bananas uh people are loving it and i was like okay obviously i'm not in on this this joke or i'm not i don't understand this and then he proceeded to uh during different points in the match there were no fewer than four other large beefy men in the ring and for those who aren't familiar his kind of special move uh, i wouldn't call it a finisher because he doesn't really pin anybody with it but he will inflict lots of damage with the Shote palm strike, which he uh, claims to have learned from Jushin Thunder Liger. And so he kind of like powers himself up. He stamps the ground, you know, like anybody would. And then he just kind of uh, palm strikes you know, upwards into someone's face. And dudes were doing just backflips out of the ring. He was just this superhuman. So I don't know if he thought this person. through. Every time I would see Cheeseburger do that, I thought he was serving him up like the freshest big boy. A cheeseburger? Because like, <laughs> like if you'll notice, the freshest big boy stance is just like right. that. He, and I don't know if he's even put that together, but I'm always like, oh, he's just serving up the burger. like, And they're getting burgered. This is the perfect, this is actually the perfect, what's so perfect about his gimmick, rather, is that like you had a theory, right? And your theory is perfectly valid because yep. it makes it makes sense. My mother, who I explained, I couldn't shut up about it. I was like, I got to tell everyone I know about mom, cheeseburger. Mom, mom, mom. <laughs> have you down. have like, you heard like, the the good news of cheeseburger? <laughs> I started well, like any good convert. You know, the, the most zealous uh, among the religious are the converts, and so I was just proselytizing to anybody I could about the good news of Ring of Honor, cheeseburger, etc. And my mom was like, well, chi, like the mystical, you know, energy source that like ancient uh, Chinese civilizations and even current <laughs> Chinese civilizations, she was talking about like, it was like a play on words, like cheeseburger. And I was like, oh, I hadn't thought of that. So there's all these things. It turns out he himself has gone on record by saying that he was so skinny, but he was a talented technical wrestler. He was so skinny that his trainers, one of his trainers at some point in his career, someone can someone can get on his wiki. How yeah. about this? Someone can get on his wiki and correct us. But he said that one of his initial trainers said, this boy needs a cheeseburger. And the name stuck. He just became known as Cheeseburger in the dojo. And then he was in New Japan and he was great. And he was in Ring of Honor. He still is in Ring of Honor. He, he runs his own wrestling school. Uh, but the gimmick, it was all about the gimmick. He was this tiny person named Cheeseburger. It made no sense at all. He leaned into it. He was incredible. He, uh, and I was like, that's it. I mean, I'm all in on wrestling. There's nothing else in my world that makes any sense anymore. If this man can get paid money to do this, then like I'm missing something. I need to learn more. <laughs> and then I, and I just, I need to find, I need to find myself. <laughs> I took a head first deep dive into like weird outsider gimmicks. And then I found myself in the kind of general wrestling world. So for me, I had started to get into wrestling. At the last second, I was working this job. I was in this nonprofit, and I was uh, doing a job. I was working with K through eight kids every day, uh, inner city kids, and then I was writing grants. And the grant writing was soul crushing. And for whatever reason, to help take the edge off the day, I would like for hours just in the background listen to like Macho Man and Ric Flair promos to just like take the edge off because it was just such a dark abyss 
like I loved the job, but the last couple months were a dark. They were dark pit, and so I was just trying to take the edge off, and that's how I took the edge off, <laughs> which is with the most intense yeah, carnies. So I, the most wild. The best stuff. part was I had like this big corner office with like a window and everything, but it was so big that I actually shared an office with somebody um, over time. And like, I had no shame. I just let it roll when they were in there. And like, they were just getting all they could handle. I'm sure of Ric Flair <laughs> just screaming at him. But like, so I, I start getting into it. And then me and my buddy Warner were like, Hey, let's watch, you know, uh, let's commit and watch a pay-per-view. This is actually. Oh, I thought he. I thought he'd always been into wrestling. He, you guys he had Warner had always been oh, okay, into yeah. it. Got out. Got back in. Warner for those who don't know. It's yeah, just my bandmate. My band that yeah, I'm in. Sure. But and so actually, what broke me before part of tonight's discussion, as I think back to it, we watched this first pay per view. We're like, let's just watch some wrestling. And that night, I was kind of like, oh, okay, it's gonna be fun. So there was this wrestler called the Bunny. And he was a part of, he was one of Adam Rose's uh, so-called Rosebuds. And these Rosebuds, what they were, like he came out and he had like this kind of party line. It just is like this walking party with him. Well, he had okay. a feud. One of his like little party animals, quote unquote, uh, like got mad. And so he had a feud with one of his party animals called the bunny. And this dude's in a bunny costume. <laughs> and I wasn't ready for the bunny and it broke me and it made me like an instant wrestling fan. He got in the corner and like put him in like on the ropes and then just did like this like like stomping like bunny hop little thump with <laughs> and he had these big big like bunny feet, you know. <laughs> are we talking like are we talking furry costume? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. He's like, and so he's using like, he's got these big, big bunny feet that he's just stomping on him with these super oversized bunny feet. And I'm like, oh, Jeez. oh, wrestling's amazing. And Bunny picked up the win. Um, yeah, at, Sur the at win. Survivor Series 2014, Rose and the Bunny defeated Slater Gator. But to the chagrin of just Rose, it was the Bunny who picked up the pinfall and danced away with the Rosebuds. <laughs> For for what it's worth, for those who are listening, I have Googled this now, and it's not like a a bunny co like a like a it is an Easter bunny costume. It's it's got a a, a baby blue vest. He's <laughs> got a little like carrot a little on there. <laughs> He's got not, a bow tie like for some reason too. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't like a Frank the Bunny costume from Donnie Darko or, or any attempt at being serious. This is just a man <laughs> just a in an Easter bunny costume. <laughs> And that was like truly that was the first moment that put me over the top on wrestling. And I was like, I was like, I'm hooked. I'm into it. I'm willing to ride this out. Uh, the bunny actually uh, got kicked out a few weeks later. He took his mask off and I think he got busted for PEDs or something. And so there was never a proper blow off to that feud. <laughs> okay. So we, we've given our testimonies. And we're, <laughs> we're so, cheeseburger and the bunny, praise be. <laughs> dream, talk about dream tag team matches. Oh man, you want to talk about the crossover revenge <laughs> of the century? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> we 
Well, and I think it's just important to say, like, everyone's like, this... we need DC Marvel crossover. I'm like, no, I need Bunny and <laughs> <laughs> Bunny <laughs> cheeseburger match. For, and for what it's worth, I think like creating a character that ridiculous and turning them into a credible threat is a miracle. <laughs> that is that is what that is what good like dedication to the bit can do, and like like a, a company willing to put them in a position that makes absolutely no sense and just like be like, listen, deal with it. Yeah, no, it's pretty incredible. So, um, <laughs> magic of pro wrestling. There is a distinct lack of bunny merch out there. I've looked far and wide. <laughs> I'm probably going to have to make some at some point. So now we've shared our testimonies. Will, yeah. I want you to get us started with our first yeah. ever Jobber of the Week. Jobber of the Week! All right, so this week's Jobber of the Week, the inaugural Jobber of the Week, is actually, swerve, Jobbers, uh, Jobber well. of the Week. I couldn't narrow it down, and I just a battle had, pack of jobbers. <laughs> I want, I you know, two is better than one, and I figured, why not give the people what they want times two? Just get everybody nice and ready for uh, subsequent jobbers. Um, this I, I bounced around for a while, and I, I landed on this because it's simple, it's beautiful, it's a it's a wonderful story. Um, I present to you. Go ahead and open the picture I sent. Okay. Okay. I'm uh, opening as we speak. Uh huh. Go ahead. I'm ready. The ding dongs. I read right. it. I read about the ding dongs, and <laughs> I uh, I almost prepared nay an episode about the ding dongs, but because they're just Java specific, it's perfect. Yeah. Continue. Uh, this man is wearing what appears to be just a red, you know, suit of sorts covering his whole body, a luchador type mask, and then just bells on their body. Time uh, two, um, d- double the bell. It is. It is one of those things where uh, the word "ding dong" has a pretty. Str- the words "ding dong" rather have a pretty strong uh, correlation in American culture to a particular type of snack cake that was popular at the time that these guys made their debut, which we'll talk about. Um, it also is a popular insult. The one thing that it doesn't do for me, Chris, and I, I, I'm being honest here, it does not evoke a bell sound. So the, the the fact that they chose to really dig in on bells uh, with the name like Ding Dongs is just wild to me. But that's so, the visual aspect is just all wrong. I actually know a little bit about the Ding Dongs. Okay. Well, you're about to learn more. Excellent. So so this this tag team is uh, is uh, comprised of Greg Evans and Richard Sartain. They began in 87 uh, and they were in the uh, Deep South wrestling promotion, DSW, um, where they uh, wrestled as the Rock and Roll Rebels. And I did not Google a picture of this, but I got five bucks on the fact that it involves a certain flag that you can't fly at a, at a wrestling promotion these days. Hmm. Uh, potentially very Tracy Smothers. I'm just, I'm just putting that out there. It, it, seemed, it all fits together, but uh, I could be wrong. Uh, and it was absolutely derivative. It says, of course, uh, Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Rockers, Southern Rockers, Rock and Roll RPMs. These are very popular tag teams territorially and on the big stage at the time. Um, and then, so these guys, uh, here's the best part. They weren't bad. Uh, they, uh, according to a man named Greg Oliver in the book, Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame Tag Teams, which I guess is just a book dedicated exclusively to tag team wrestling. 
they clicked very well and, and, and could have been in any territory, it says. So these guys were above average for sure, right? Um, and so when the Deep South Wrestling promotion ended in 88, they needed to go somewhere else. And so uh, Jim Hurd, WCW's uh, executive producer, um, wanted to get more child-friendly wrestling. And so... As one does. <laughs> right. And this, the Wikipedia uh, cites the um, formerly vicious sheep herders being turned into the fun-loving bushwhackers as an example of this kind of like... I love the bushwhackers. Yeah, and who doesn't? But apparently they had a much more violent gimmick prior. Yeah, so this yeah. Was like a, this is like a way to get them kind of on, on more family friendly TV, better time spot, whatever. And so, and so the, apparently the, the rock and roll rebels, which I, you know, it was a certain time, 89. I don't understand why that was not, you know, child friendly. Um, I do now, of course, but in 89. Uh, and so they decided to make them the ding dongs, which is, which is described here as orange morph suits covered with tiny bells. <laughs> And so the, <laughs> what the picture doesn't capture is apparently there's little bells sewn all over the costumes. Yeah, well, and they brought bells out to the ring. <laughs> and like in the middle of the match, there'd just be these loud bells ringing. <laughs> Which is like, is that supposed to be like a psychological edge? Is that just supposed to be something fun for the kids? Like, So um, oh, my, my big wrap up thought for the Ding Dongs is... Yeah. Uh, church culture in the like early aughts was real big into handbells. There was a lot of handbell fever going on sure. and it would have been a real flex. Like, you know, like kind of like the WrestleMania entrance would have been, they came out with handbells, like a kid's handbell choir. And then ding dong. Well, I just want to talk briefly about their, their, their debut. Yeah. They made their debut on June 14th. And just with, with what you're with, with the kind of visual scape that you described to me in mind of a handbell choir, this is imagine June 14th, 89 clash of champions seven uh, Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Uh, and they heard apparently Jim Herb is like all the way behind the ding dongs. He was ready for like them to just catch on fire. Everyone was going to love it. Apparently they turned so against them. And while each of them took turns ringing giant bells at ringside, uh, the crowd booed. Announcer Jim Ross apparently was noticeably embarrassed. Uh, they defeated the enhancement team of Cougar J and George South. Um, Cougar so, J deserved better. So these jobbers got job to. They got a push. Uh, and, <laughs> and they left the ring scattered with small bells. And Jim, Jim Ross remarked that he was relieved that the match was over. Long live the ding dongs. And uh, head booker Ric Flair apparently put the kibosh on their push immediately. Uh, and they just faded. Man, not not their fault. I mean, no. one could argue they're not jobbers at all. They're undefeated, you know. For... <laughs> it's, that's, that's an excellent point. And the, I guess the worst part about this is, and I guess one thing we, we, we talk about, we're going to talk a lot about is like, being a jobber doesn't mean you're bad at wrestling. Being a jobber means that you were given an impossible task to get something over that's completely ridiculous, or you chose yourself to try and get something over that was never had a chance. So like Jim Hurd put these decent territorial wrestlers in, in a bad just, spot. Yeah. They made them into Teletubbies and said, okay, now go wrestle. 
and there's nothing they could do about it. It's a real shame. It's a real, it's a real shame. shame. <laughs> I look as as you will learn, listener. There is soon, hopefully, to be a a whole wealth of excellent throwback obscure wrestling merch that you can purchase that we hope to license, including uh, hopefully things from the Ding Dongs. By the time there's any demand for what we're selling, I hope we have so many. We can revive the careers of all of these worthy yes. athletes. These, and these start our own wrestling promotion. <laughs> jobbers only. It'll be incredible. It'll be fun. It'll be loud. It's an, on, an OnlyFans for jobbers. <laughs> Please subscribe to our OnlyFans. It's a lot of men in morph suits covered in bells <laughs> currently. Uh, thank you for our first annual jobber jobbers of the week, sir. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. So to this week's main event. Episode one, we introduce you to the legendary Shark Boy. <laughs> Shark Boy, also known as his birth name, Dean Matthew Roll, was born on January 28th, 1975. He was best known for his appearances in TNA under the ring name Shark Boy. <laughs> but of course, prior to his appearances in TNA, he competed on the Indies in the mid-90s and onwards before signing short little stint with WCW in 99. Mm. Following his release from WCW six months later in 2000, he returned to the Indies, mainly competing for World Wrestling All-Stars. He would leave... Hey, hold on. It's also important to say at this point that neither of us read up on the other wrestlers, so all of this I'm hearing for the very first time. And I just Googled a picture of Sharkboy who I'm very unfamiliar with. And I want to say, dear listener... He's not like a but like the bunny in like a full on bunny costume. No. This is just a man wearing a leather jacket and blue tights and a shark style lucha libre mask. And to be clear, his gimmick turned into a stone cold ripoff, but as a <laughs> lucha libre shark. There's a lot. To, okay. There's a lot to unpack. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I didn't want to jump the gun. I just wanted to make sure you knew that my my reactions to this are one thousand percent genuine. I have no idea who this person is, but I know them just by reputation. So. He would leave World Wrestling All-Stars in 02 to join TNA, where he'd become a member of the X Division, and he would work with TNA sporadically, basically from then to the end of his life. Um, End of his life? I mean, he's still alive now. So, important information. uh, (laughs) He had multiple ring names in his career, and his career is actually still ongoing. He's 46, from Dayton, Ohio. Uh, He had ring names were El Piranha, Dean Baldwin, Dean Roll, and Shark Boy. Uh, he's built at 5'10, 180, <laughs> and hailing from either the deep blue sea or 20,000 <laughs> leagues under the sea. Which are essentially the same thing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, yeah, he starts his wrestling career at the age of 20. In 95, he gets trained. Um, and then he debuts in 97 with the Heartland Wrestling Association. Wrestling is the masked El Piranha. So pretty much out of the gate, he's already committed like his first match as like aquatic bits. Like he's like, I'm down with Agua. And this is, <laughs> he was true to himself um, as a Heartland Wrestling Association mainstay. Of course. I mean, El Piranha is a man of the people. Um, also ungoogleable. If you Google El Piranha, you get bubkiss. There's nothing there. Nothing. Um, <laughs> He occasionally portrayed the character of Dean Baldwin, which is just himself, and 
Oh no! Wait, hold on. Wait, Don't gloss over that. Wait, Do not gloss over that. Wait, roll. I read that wrong. <laughs> yeah. Roll occasionally portrayed the character of Dean Baldwin, the purported fifth lesser known Baldwin brother <laughs> of like Alec he Baldwin and stuff. A, he invented a Baldwin to be. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. He invented a Baldwin brother. <laughs> yeah. The lesser known, as if as if Billy and them are better. Like, <laughs> this, this, the floor is pretty low on the Baldwin brothers right. at that point, and he invented. He an just even saw lower Biodome, one. and he's like, "All right, <laughs> we need more I Baldwin." Get underneath that. <laughs> That's my favorite Baldwin, by the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, this is going to be a disaster. Later that uh-huh. year, he debuted with the IWA, Independent Wrestling Association, where he developed the cartoonish character Shark Boy. Partially inspired by the 1995 song "I Come from the Water" by the Toadies, hmm. in 90 that surprised me. Um, in '99, he trademarked. Did it mention shark at all in that song? I don't remember. I, I, don't, I don't, yeah, I'm reference. Um, I'm gonna Google the lyrics. I'm keep going. Yeah, in '99, he trademarked the name Shark Boy. Uh, or in '98, in '98, he received a flurry of media attention. He was featured on ABC in an episode of 2020 featuring professional wrestling. He was on the Discovery Channel as the annual, as a part of the annual Shark Week. <laughs> I like, I like how big Shark Week. I'd like to think Shark Week becoming like kind of you know like a cultural phenomenon was off the back of Shark Boy launching it with such a strong, you know, first first year. Um. <laughs> They 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 they've gained all this heat off of him. This 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 beautiful wrestling star. Oh my goodness! And then he was also on a documentary produced by MTV entitled "True Life." I'm a professional wrestler. Oh. So things he's getting a lot of attention pretty quickly. He like switches, you know, basically one year becomes Shark Boy, and he, and he gets some good attention. In May 1999, Shark Boy wrestled at the second annual Brian Pillman Memorial Show. Oh, these are great. <laughs> Defeating Matt Stryker, Tarek the Great, and a future Jobber Hall of Famer, Chip Fairway. <laughs> he beat a wrestler called Chip <laughs> Fairway in a tournament and receiving a trophy. <laughs> Following the match, numerous WCW and WWF wrestlers, including Al Snow, Mankind, and D'Lo Brown, entered the ring and lifted Shark Boy onto their shoulders. Shark Boy then wrestled at the 98, 2001 Brian Pill and Memorial Shows. On March 11th, 03, Shark Boy wrestled a dark match for WWE where he lost to Chris Canyon. So, you know, he got tiny pops in, you know, quote unquote, the big time, but it never took hold. So he's in WCW mm-hmm. from 99 after all this, like, exposure. Shark Boy was signed to a contract. He made several appearances, I mean, I had no idea, on WCW Saturday Night and Thunder before being released six months later. Man, he had a short time. Shark Boy did not get over Jeez. So the- That was also like the, the era of like some of the most wild gimmicks in WCW. Like That's not like he was the weirdest guy they were trying to give a push on TV. Yeah. Um, so then he goes back to World Wrestling All-Stars, where he'd been before in 02. Um, he fought in a six man contest that had AJ Styles in it. Wow. AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, and some other jobbers you never heard of. 
in 02. Uh, he toured Europe. Um, was in a pay-per-view of Frankie Kazarian. And then he just kind of kept going around, sticked with World Wrestling All-Stars for a good while in 07. Um, Wait, hold on. I, I want to I mention one thing. I want to uh, 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 investigate potentially the connection or his response to the 2005 mega hit movie Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. Was... It's coming. Okay. Yeah, you, right. just, okay, you just relax, okay? I just, I looked at the release date because I, I didn't want you to skim over no, that. It's, it's, uh, it actually plays a big part <laughs> into his tale. So you just... You just hang on, okay? <laughs> you just wait. Yes, Don't sir. you dare skim ahead yes, on this Wikipedia, all right? I wasn't. No, I swear I wasn't. <laughs> so, oh uh, yeah, 07, <laughs> a shark boy opened a professional wrestling school called the Shark Tank as one. <laughs> I mean, what else would it be called? <laughs> Man, I would love to train at the Shark Tank. Uh, yeah. Train Sammy Callahan. That's probably his most, uh, oh, he was called Cannonball Sammy at the time. Um yeah. yeah, that Shark Boy is probably responsible for that name. Um, <laughs> then he goes to TNA, and he wrestled with TNA from 02 to 15. Um, so this is probably like the peak of his career is his time in TNA, for sure. So mm-hmm. uh, he starts in July of 02. He makes his debut, loses a dark match um, August 14th. Uh, he shows up on a weekly TNA pay-per-view. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, he showed up on Disco Inferno's talk segment, Jive Talking. Yeah, Disco Inferno. Without his mask, playing the character Dean Baldwin. <laughs> 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 of course he does. <laughs> he like brings that gimmick back from the crypt. He's like, I just got this job. I just got my best job. Quick. What do I do? I know. I'm going to pull one of these, bag- these tricks out of my bag of tricks. I'll be Dean Baldwin. <laughs> so in 03, Jesus. he had a team with New Jack, who's a legitimately scary guy, um, yeah. that involved getting New Jack to play board games such as Shoots and Ladders with Shark Boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, I'm sure New Jack was super into that. Yeah, when New Jack left, Mad Mikey started teaming with him before Mad Mikey's untimely death. Um hmm. He teamed with D Ray three thousand, which is it was that's such a that's Devon D Ray three thousand. No. That that's somebody else. He wrestled he wrestled as D Ray three thousand, Don Crisis, Rick Baker, and Vico Botamongo. Okay, that's that's new to me. That's new to me. Yeah. Wow, that's not what I thought. So this goes fine. You know, he's not setting the world on fire. He's just doing his thing. He leaves for a minute. He had a a hiatus. uh, uh, In kayfabe, he suffered a coma. So he leaves for a while. (laughs) He leaves for a while after getting a coma. In 08, he returns um, and tweaked his Shark Boy gimmick into that of a Stone Cold Steve Austin tribute, even going as far as to drink clam juice. (laughs) A reference to Austin's infamous beer drinking (laughs) in his matches. (laughs) Oh, man, I wasn't ready for that. Oh, my goodness. Upon his gimmick change, he would occasionally team up with Curry Man. Listener, Curry Man was a, this made no sense. He was a luchador, which is typically of Mexican 
heritage. He was a Japanese luchador figure who wore a plate of curry on top of his head and was called the King of Spice. I cannot wait to tell you about Curry Man in future episodes. They formed a comedic... And you've pro- Go ahead. Go ahead, sir. I was going to say, you've probably seen Curry Man wrestle as any number of other gimmicks. Yes. But Curry Man was probably the, the peak... He was called the King the of the Indies, gimmick. like, uh, for real. Yeah. So, uh, he would occasionally form a team with Curry Man to form a comedic tag team with moderate success. After this gimmick change, he started to talk something he had not been known to do before. He and Curry Man feuded with Team 3D and won a fish market street fight <laughs> at the pay-per-view Destination X. Um, he took part in TNA's Terradome match. Um, because of that match, Sharkboy was injured and returned backstage on the July 17th episode of Impact with Curry Man and Super Eric. I'm so curious about who is Super Eric as part of a Justice League knockoff. Just for the record, like if you're looking for jobbers to investigate or just weird gimmicks, look for any clickable link in a in an article about Shark Boy. Yeah. They're <laughs> everywhere. You go down this. Yeah. Uh, I'm clicking all so, these. So uh, he joined a Justice League knockoff called the Prince Justice Brotherhood. <laughs> 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 and then he got beat up by he got beat up by a faction called beer money incorporated during a backstage segment he uh, once again appeared with the prince justice brother on the july 24th episode of impact um only to lose to brutus magnus in a squatch match um yeah, Air Money Incorporated had James Storm and uh, uh, and Bobby Roode. Yeah, they're pretty sweet. Yeah, um, some pretty, pretty names. Uh, let's see here. He lost in some tapings to Consequences Creed later. That's Xavier Woods. Um, and then uh, his oh. last match for the company for a while was in 2010. His profile was removed from TNA's website, and he worked as a referee and road agent for the company. Oh. From there, he just had sporadic turns. Um, throughout time, just on TV, nothing super big of note other than maybe like, uh, he did get to wrestle in 2015 as a competitor in EC3's three versus one gauntlet match for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. He did lose. Real shame. He's actually scheduled to return to TNA. Uh, there's no place like home event, but the event was canceled due to COVID 19. So, Shark Boy, when he adopted the Stone Cold gimmick, he would say things like, give me a shell, yeah, instead of a hell, yeah. <laughs> and he'd be like, I'm going to go back there and slay me some clam juice. Um, and he would like rip off lines like the rock. He was like, why don't you turn that fish around and shove it right up your bass? You know, it was... <laughs> it was so awful. <laughs> it's so bad. He has a promo where he's like just kind of making fat jokes the whole time. And he says, if they can make weight for the match, as if like this is some sort of sanctioned event where like you have to be in a certain weight class to wrestle. Uh, that just really caught me off guard. I was like, this this promo doesn't make sense. This isn't MMA. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And other than that, like he 
would have some little independent matches uh, in 2013. Sharkboy challenged Billy Matern for the NWA Supreme United States Championship. Wow, I was unaware of that. Championship. Uh, that is a long name. Uh, Billy Matern was DQ'd due to interference by Mortimer Blakenship, giving the win to Sharkboy, but Matern would retain the championship. Ah, shame. So he started wrestling a lot less in 2014, only wrestled a half dozen matches. They could just had six. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, they, they mentioned dozen again. This, this writer is particularly He's, he's big into dozens. Um, yeah. He did even less in 2015 and only one match in 2016. Follow two years. Uh, he didn't don't, re- don't skip 2019. Yeah, no, he didn't wrestle in 2018, and in April 2019, he was involved in a six-way scramble match <sighs> at Joey Ryan's Penis Party WrestleCon event during WrestleMania oh, 35 gosh. weekend. Man, it's the ones you m- most medium expect. <laughs> <laughs> How could a guy, Joey Ryan's entire gimmick was basically based around wrestling with his penis, Turns out he, uh, you know, not exactly an upstanding citizen. How could this be? Yeah, we were all super duper shocked. Um, So, other portions of Shark Boy's career, achievements, lifestyle, things of note that you should know. (laughs) As Will alluded to earlier, there was a movie called The Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl in 3D. Which is a spinoff <laughs> of the Spy Kids universe, if memory serves. Um, yeah, I forgot that was a connection, but I think you're absolutely right. I'll double and check. And I that. know that because in high school, I went, I was at like a cross country camp, and they had like a we were at like a drive-in, and they had double feature, and the first movie was Spy Kids 3D, and uh, that was we trudged through that. That was that was not a good time. Um, so. <laughs> In June 8, 2005, Dean Roll, that's his name, filed a lawsuit against Miramax Films claiming that Miramax released The Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl in 3D infringed upon his trademark in demanding any money, profits, and advantages wrongfully gained. In November 2005, it emerged that Miramax had attempted to have the case dismissed in addition to requesting that the court nullify his trademark on the basis that the plaintiff is a male whose services are rendered only when he is wearing a costume depicting his shark-like attributes. <laughs> That's legalese. I, I need to know what that means, really. Like, what were they trying to prove? That he only is Shark Boy when he's yeah, wearing the Shark Yeah, outfit? are they trying to say, like, That's he's not, look, he is not this. a real shark, neither is he a boy. <laughs> he is a grown man. <laughs> How <laughs> the creators of a fake movie, a movie about a fake shark boy are trying to say that this shark boy yeah, is a real shark boy. He's not an authentic shark boy. He's not the real <laughs> yeah. shark boy. He's a shark man. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> now, in April 2007, the suit was settled for an undisclosed amount. So clearly, he got paid. Shark boy they paid him off. got paid. Uh also, this, this this timing works out perfectly because here comes Shark Boy suing a major movie studio. Two thousand seven. When did he become Stone Cold Fish and start teaming with the Curry Man? Oh, Stone Cold Fish. Two thousand. Stone Cold Fish. Two thousand eight. Yeah, yeah, he had that. So he wrote he wrote that that extra exposure right into the prime Dude, time. Good for him. Good for him. Yeah. Fight, he's fighting <laughs> for his you know fighting for his creative life out here. Yeah, it would be one thing if he was like a washed up, like old guy who was. If this happened like 
two years ago, it'd be less impressive. But in the prime of his career, he sued Miramax Films and then became a main eventer for TNA. Um, we're in the last little chunks here of this amazing tale. Um, gosh, Wikipedia is sometimes a bummer. I wish, I wish a, sh- a shark. Tale. I w- yeah, Shark Tale. I wish Shark Boy would update some of this on his own. Other media, Shark Boy has appeared in two video games, uh, those being TNA Impact, Cross the Line, and TNA Impact. He was featured, as we discussed earlier, in MTV's True Life. I am a pro wrestler, talking about his experiences on the independent circuit. Here's an interview I'm sure you would want to watch, and I will be trying to watch later. <laughs> Fox News personality Bill O'Reilly featured him in his segment, Finheads and Patriots. <laughs> I'm sure he saw Shark Boy as the downfall of civilization. And Yeah. And is that I'm not familiar with Bill O'Reilly's program. I know he calls people Pinheads a lot with a P. Was this was this it says but it says in quotes Finheads and Patriots. Yes. So did he did he change that one segment just, just to the make dunk it more on Shark Boy? Yes, that would. I think he because Shark Boy was so known for his puns. Does he was Bill O'Reilly trying to one up him on his own program? It would seem. Uh, it says here citation oh, needed. Citation needed. <laughs> um, and it's uh and it hasn't been it's needed citation since 2010. So I don't think Shark Boy's um, Wikipedia is getting a lot of action right now. Real shame. Mm. Now, this is so stu- like there needs to be an updated thing here. Personal life. This is all it says under Shark Boy's personal life bio on Wikipedia. Are you ready? In 2009, <laughs> Roll lost most of his possessions in a house fire. That's it. That's his whole life. That's his entire personal life. Is just. Yo, his house done burnt down in 09. Nothing. There's a, there's a citation for that, though. There's nothing for it. They actually cited like, this. Teenage Shark so Boy somebody... loses home in tragic fire. Yeah. How wrestling fans can help him rebuild. I mean, we're not laughing that he lost it. It's been a long time, so I'm sure no. he's recovered, but it's just like... Well, it's funny that that's the, that's the single piece of personal news they were willing to dredge up on Mr. Roll. He took it in stride though. So many memories went up in smoke a few days ago. I feel like it's now time to get back in the ring and create some new ones, Roll said. Some positivity. Man. (laughs) (laughs) I want to go train at the Shark Tank. I wonder how many weird wrestling schools we're going to learn about as we go through this and... Mm-hmm. Man, the Shark Tank sounds awesome. I hope it's. I wonder if it's still, you know, existing. Now, you may be remiss as to think that this guy never was like a real, you know, Steve Lombardi never won in his life, but you would be very wrong. I <laughs> counted it up, and I think he's like a 27-time champion across various different wrestling promotions. Uh, so you're kidding. So these are just a few of his. I'll just give a few of his wrestling championships and accomplishments. Uh, One of my favorites is in 2001, PWI, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, ranked him 157 out of 500 in the singles wrestler's rank. That's not not bad. That's That's pretty good. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Um, Man, of course he won this one. He was the Blue Water Championship Cruiserweight Champion. (laughs) Of course. I need to know more about the Blue yeah, Water Championship Wrestling. Like, there's some. Uh, he's in the Legends of Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, class of 2008. That's cool. Oh, um, awesome. He was still wrestling. He was already in the Hall of Fame. 
Um, there's lots of, let's see, he won an NWA title, NWA East. Um, he's their TV champion. He was the new breed wrestling associate heavyweight champ. Um, ooh, he was the OCW cruiserweight championship. Ohio championship wrestling was a feeder system for WWE. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Uh, let's see here. Uh, real American wrestling. Gosh, there's lots of places you've never heard of. Um, clearly. Um, hardcore championship wrestling. Buckeye Bro. Some of these I've heard of. Um, <clears throat> some of these are hyper, hyper local. Yeah. Oh, yeah. These are super tiny. But, yeah, he's won, uh, he's won himself some belts. I wonder if he's got any of these, like, laying around his house. You know, I hope he does. Yeah, I hope they didn't burn oh, up. Oh, man, man. They're, that, they're that would be a bummer. Because I would imagine those were yeah. some cheap belts for some of these places. <laughs> <laughs> I'd imagine the Buckeye Pro Wrestling. No, you know, actually... I'm gonna walk that back. I don't wanna. I don't wanna get any heat with with Buckeye Pro or Blue Water Championship. Or, I think he actually helped uh, with Buckeye Pro. I think Buckeye Pro was like a promotion yeah. he sort of ran, and I only learned well, that. He's, he's I learned that. Ohio. that I learned sense. that four seconds ago when we learned about his house burning down. Um, <laughs> yeah, it mentions his fellow Buckeyes. It, yeah, it yeah. says like. Uh, in reference to his house burning down, Roll said he's currently staying with his family until he can salvage what's left from his home before finding a new place to live. He's committed to wrestling. Um, yeah, I plan to continue to make all my scheduled appearances. I may have to postpone my Buckeye Pro Wrestling event. Okay, okay. So um, right now the best way to support Roll is to attend his Buckeye shows mm-hmm. in Ohio to help him rebuild. Got so it. it sounds like he had a hand in um, – Buckeye Pro Wrestling. Bro. So, yeah. Unbelievable. And as of right now, these are the current l- documented wrestling wiki life and times of one Shark Boy or El Piranha. Or Dean Matthew Roll or Dean Baldwin. Now, yeah, so Dean Roll makes sense. That's like his name. Dean Matthew Roll's his name. Yeah. Dean Baldwin is really good. Like, that's. The forgotten Baldwin the brother. The fifth Baldwin. That's. <laughs> <laughs> maybe even more of a gimmick than shark boy if we're honest like that's a whole there's a whole backstory there that just shark boy is just a uh, he's a fish but dean baldwin has this whole i would pay any amount of money to see the interview between him and disco inferno <laughs> as dean baldwin now yeah on uh what was disco's show called gosh it was such a dumb uh, j- uh, uh jive talking jive talking jive talking and talk about a talk about a jobber. I mean, I know Disco Inferno had a, a weird push, uh, but like there is, he's a whole other, he's a whole other kettle of fish. Uh, he was all Disco Inferno had names such as Hip Hop Inferno, Disco, so with a Q, with Q and an O, <laughs> and La Cucaracha. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the crazy part. He's only, uh, he's forty six. He's only, he's only seven years older than Shark Boy. Oh, Disco Inferno. Yeah, sorry, he's eight years older than Shark Boy. Uh, Shark Boy's only forty six, man, and he's lived a lot of life. Yeah, I'm so gas us in that tank. I'm so curious, and we're gonna take five seconds, listener, to see if we can find any information, but I doubt we will. What is Shark Boy doing now? 
Yeah, what's Shark Boy up to? Is he on social uh, Well, you media? type that in, and what you come up with is actually CBS. Be like, Shark Boy and Lava Girl, where are they now? Uh-huh. You know, I don't think... Here's a, here's a dear listener, here's a tip. If you're going to go out into the indie wrestling scene and try and make a name for yourself in the big leagues as a very hyper-specific gimmick, make very sure there's not a giant property attached to it. Now, Shark Boy didn't have a choice because Shark Boy at Miramax Studios stole his his identity but in order to be googleable it's 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 important so shark boy still wrestles a little bit like he still wrestles a little bit um but uh i want you to my last little thing as we before we sign off one of the questions google has did shark boy die and i know absolutely <laughs> nothing about shark boy and lava girl and so when i click this it says and I'm just imagining this under the guise of Shark Boy the wrestler. Mr. Electric fools Shark Boy into jumping in the water filled with electric eels, seemingly killing him. Lava Girl jumps into the water, retrieves Shark Boy, but dies moments later. Wow, Shark Boy and Lava Girl is heavy. Yeah. Well, if you look at the if you look at the I was actually gonna mention this earlier, but I'm I'm glad you opened the door for it. Uh because the first uh, the very first sentence in the plot synopsis of Sharp Boy and Lava Girl is Max is a lonely 10-year-old boy in the suburbs of Austin who creates an imaginary dream world called Planet Drool where all his dreams come to life. Planet Drool. <laughs> Planet Drool. That sounds like the worst place. Anyone who's had like an infant knows that would be the worst place on the planet to be. That hot teething drool. And it's this is a boy who creates Planet Drool where all his dreams come true, and he's very lonely. So the the idea that it gets heavy from there is is astounding. Wasn't uh, wasn't there somebody? Wasn't there like big names in this? David Arquette. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of uh, WCW, former and current wrestling great. <laughs> yeah. This is see. This is the this is the kind of rabbit hole you can get down. Uh, clicking any clickable link on a Wikipedia article. So my last. This will be my last con- contribution for Shark Boy, and I think we'll we'll okay. put a we'll put a button here on episode one. Mm-hmm. In 2011, he had an interview <laughs> that I think is worth reading. It's pretty small. It says former TNA wrestler Shark Boy reveals what Steve Austin thought of his Stone Cold Shark Boy character, <laughs> <laughs> and the wrestler who told Austin to check it out. The first sentence on this makes me wish that this website still existed. I doubt it does. Here's mm-hmm. the first sentence. As any visitor to sharkboy.net can tell you, shark, I can't believe that's a real domain at one point in time. Mm-hmm. Sharky, Sharky has wrestled many of the industry's top stars, but it was the impression of the of one that got a huge TNA reaction. When Sharkboy woke up from his on-air coma, he suddenly thought he was Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, James, blah blah blah. Asked him about the gimmick and what Steve Austin thought about it. He said, "I was really happy to know that he liked it because I was kind of worried. If he hated it, that would have really bothered me because I'd really admire a guy. But then I heard he thought it was funny, and entertaining. And the first person who told me was Kevin Nash. He said, "Yo, I called Steve and told him about what you're doing. He thought and that he should watch. He popped. He loved it. So I was really happy to hear it. That's nice. Amazing." And Steve, Steve Austin is, is notoriously a nice dude who I think appreciates the hustle. 
So the idea that he wasn't opposed to this uh, and saw it for what it was as an homage is important. Man, what a life. Uh, I'm pasting sharkboy.net into my computer, seeing if the domain is free. Uh, Sharkboy is taken, and Sharkboy, I think, is a comic book website. Huh. It says popular games and movies inspired by comic books. This looks like one of those spam sites. Yeah, I hope that uh, I hope I get some malware now. So, um, yeah, here come here yep. comes we're both we're both there now. Here comes the Bonzi buddy download. Three, two, one. <laughs> Bonzi buddy. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us on our first episode as we figure out just where this is all going. But I thoroughly enjoyed mm-hmm. myself. I feel like you know, if knowledge is power. You know, I feel far more powerful now than I did an hour ago. I don't know about you, Will Payne. I I feel extremely powerful. Uh, this was a lot of fun and time well spent. All right. Well, hey, till next time, this is Wrestling Wiki. <laughs>